0: Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Orion Taraban and I'm thrilled to be able to sit down today with Alex Leon. Thanks for coming on the show, man. It's really great to finally meet you. For those of you who don't know, Alex is a member of The Naturals Lifestyle YouTube channel. I think this is one of the best channels on the internet with respect to pickup and seduction. I personally followed this channel for seven or eight years. So uh, it's a personal treat to me to be able to meet you today, Alex. And I've also referred a number of my clients over the years to content on this channel because among other things, I think the folks on the channel like Alex do a really good job of exploding a lot of the myths around pickup and seduction. It doesn't have to be cheesy. It doesn't have to be extroverted. You don't have to have a six pack. There's ways of meeting girls in real life that is non creepy non sketchy and more likely to lead to a satisfying encounter or a relationship and i think these guys are um no nonsense but also not um sensationalistic or um you know just trying to rack up body count either so i think they're really balanced they seem like like well-rounded humans which is another reason why i enjoy listening to their content um alex is working Ar- on it yeah As we all are. Um, Alex also has his own YouTube channel that he has launched a few months ago. Alex Leon, is that the handle here? Okay, check him out because I'm sure he's putting out some excellent content these days. So thank you so much for being on the channel, Alex. Happy
1: to have you. Hello, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, it's an honor. Uh, I checked your channel. Great stuff. I love it. And yeah, we were just chatting before. I really appreciate you as a professional in the field, you know, sending us clients. That really means a lot to, to me and the whole team.
0: Oh, right on. Well-deserved. So um, let's let's jump in because you're an expert in pickup and seduction. You've been in this space for a long time. Your, your primary business is coaching people. Um, I work with a lot of guys mm. who are interested in overcoming approach anxiety, but I also Monitor the comments and sort of the the timbre of male opinion on the channel and otherwise and uh, it seems like pickup has sort of a, a bad name these days um, and a lot of guys are afraid of approaching not just i think because of the let's say the organic fear of rejection that may come from a pickup attempt but a fear of being canceled a fear of being creepy um would you speak to this to some extent, like what's the state of pickup these days?
1: Yeah, good question. Uh, I guess dudes are afraid of the term pickup because it's a term that's been used for so many years by various dudes, various channels, the media, right? Pickup artists is like the artistry of like manipulating women and stuff like that. So I do understand why guys are worried. Uh, The reality is totally different though. Right. I would just not use the word pickup. I don't like to call myself as a pickup teacher or pickup artist or pickup company uh, because of the same reason. I think it's about connection. Um, You can call it seduction, but even that, you know, has some negative annotations. Sure. Let's call it connection. Because really what we're doing at the end of the day, it's quite simple. It's like we as men want to connect with a woman And we are offering her the invitation to a connection, right? Like, that's really what it is at the end of the day. It's just like we're walking up to a girl on the street and we say hi. And basically that hi means do you want to communicate? Do you maybe want to connect for like 30 seconds? And then she can say no. She can say maybe she can say yes in her own way, right? With her body language, with her words. And that's what we do. And that's what I've been doing for a long time personally, because I was, I had the biggest approach anxiety. Uh, We can talk about that if you want, but I was like a total zero when it came to that. And that's what bothered me a lot. Uh, And I made it here and I see it with my clients over and over. And the ladies I approach and they approach, because I'm listening in on the microphone, women love being approached. So for everybody who's just never done approaches, And the only input they get is maybe like sensational YouTube videos where, you know, maybe a person like gets really angry or where like one pickup artist is in the media for doing something horrible. That's the loud minority, right? At the end of the day, most people are just normal people who want to connect. So that's interesting.
0: Yeah. So this is A counterfactual to a lot of men's beliefs that the way to get to know a woman is by asking her out on a date, and it's like the bait is a drink or a meal or some sort of activity. But you're saying that really, what a woman is most interested in is the opportunity to make an an emotional connection with another human being.
1: Is that kind of what you're getting at here? Of course, yes. And so, especially if you think about it, the kind of woman you know who we want a dinner or a drink is like she's abundant in dinner offers and drink offers you know like how if she's at a certain level of attractiveness her inbox is full with invitations of that caliber and much more so at the end of the day yes she wants connection so it's a way of
0: offering something different to stand out from the intersexual competition and it doesn't cost you anything i mean that's another point of resistance I often come up against in the comments Mm -hmm. is people think that you have to have a lot of money to date and um, it's just not worth it but it seems it sounds like what we're really offering is a chance to get to know another human being on a deeper level and I think that means being able to well that's interesting because the way that you're describing it correct me if I'm wrong but it almost seems like there's no agenda here when we know that men are approaching certain women and not other women, you know they're approaching women that they are attracted to. So you would think that there's some sort of intention where they want the interaction to potentially lead. But it almost sounds like you're kind of agendaless when you speak about just making a connection with another human being. Is that part of the, um,
1: the approach? I definitely have an agenda. So I would say when you say I have an intention. But I don't start with the intention of, hey, I want to sleep with you because that's too fast. It's too early. I don't know her yet. Right. So let's say in the scenario of I'm walking through the park, I'm holding my coffee. It's whatever. 11 a.m. I'm having a walk and I see a beautiful girl. It's like the first intention I have is not, oh, my God, I want to fuck her. I don't know if I can swear here, but it's like, Oh, there is something that spikes. Obviously. Yes. She's sexy, right? I'm a man. She's a woman. I'm attracted. Yes. There was uh, five women passing me that didn't trigger that. So of course the agenda is man meets beautiful woman. And of course her beauty is important, but the first intention I should kind of project on her is like, Hey, I want to, I want to get to know you. Who are you? Hey, what's up. Right. And then the intention should be, Hey, uh, I want to know more about you, you know? And then if, connection here is good it's like hey i want to take you on a date and then maybe we will go home and have sex obviously i won't say that to her that way so there's definitely an agenda i guess the problem is guys lead with their dick when they should kind of lead with their heart and then sure if the heart says yes and the brain says yes and the dick says yes amazing right take her on a date um yeah that's that's where approaching can become abrasive or aggressive when it's just about the beauty right of course that's what triggers the impulse, but there should be uh, a different intention first.
0: Sounds like there must be a balance here. If you lead too aggressively with the sexual intent, it backfires, uh, as I think we can all mostly understand why. I have worked with some guys who struggle to communicate sexual intent at some point in the interaction, and mm-hmm. they, the conversation seems like it's It's sparking, but then it just sort of peters out and doesn't go anywhere, or they actually succeed in getting dates, and they don't express that intent, and so they kind of end up in the friend zone, or they hear, you know, you're a nice guy, but I didn't really feel any chemistry. So it is also, would you say, important to clearly express your sexual interest in a woman when it's appropriate to do so in this exchange
1: that's a tricky one right because there's a big misconception i think about this whole term sexual intent i hear that of course a lot with my clients right and they write it before they come we send them a form oh i want to work on my sexual intent oh i'm not good in my sexual intent i want to improve my sexual intent it's like okay what does that mean do i stand in front of her and i tell her like i look her in the eyes with like you know force or does it mean i'm becoming flirtatious and i'm complimenting on her looks or what does it mean and in my experience it's more like what you're not doing so when we talk about man woman what is she looking at right she's basically assessing you as a man in a way and what she's looking at is are you nervous slash are you confident do you feel okay right now can you hold eye contact do you always jump in when she talks you leave pauses are you comfortable with silence are you comfortable letting her ask questions or are you always coming up with the next thing the next thing so if you are if you leave pauses if you're okay with leaving space in the conversation looking her in the eyes maybe pressuring her on something right not not being so agreeable on the flip side of that i believe is the sexual intent So it's not about the words you say necessarily. Sure, flirtation is a thing and being like really good with words, cool. But I think that's a bit of a fantasy in the pickup world of like, same with texting, right? I think like, I don't believe there's amazing texting. I think either she likes you already and then you, sure, you don't fuck it up on text or she just doesn't like you. And even if you have the best texting game in the world, it won't turn her around. So... That's what sexual intent for me is, it's just like, I'm super grounded and I know what I'm doing and I can hold space and I can look at her with a smile a little bit. That's kind of like the the spice on top, right? Mm. Where she feels, now she feels sexy. Now she feels, this is something else. This is not a friendly conversation anymore. This is a guy being, you know, being in that sexual vibe. That's
0: interesting, it's very subtle because What I'm hearing you say is that just sort of by changing the rhythm of speech, the pauses between interactions, maybe holding eye contact just a beat longer than you normally would in a social encounter, Mm -hmm. by making just small changes in how you behave in the interaction, you can communicate that this is a different type of relationship potentially than just we're fellow citizens talking in the park.
1: Because it's really hard. I mean, it is a subtle change, but making that change is incredibly difficult. Like Mm. being able to just pause and look at a girl and like not interrupt her and not feeling like you need to come up with the next thing. Just really being okay in silence is difficult for everybody who's done cold approach. Maybe they can relate or for anybody who maybe even recorded themselves. Uh, That can be an eye-opening experience sometimes of like, oh my God, I talk incredibly fast and I talk all the time and I interrupt her all the time. Why am I doing this? And it's like, because you think she's really hot.
0: (laughs) You're nervous. Yeah, I've seen some of your infield and infield day game and some of the interactions seem like plottingly slow. I thought maybe that had to do with the fact that maybe english wasn't their first language because i know you travel all over the world um and so you might need to use simple words at a slow cadence to ensure comprehensibility but yeah there was a lot of space in that interaction when i first started my training as a therapist someone told me that there's like 40 different types of silence you know how oh my god stereotypically you got that that idiom that the Eskimos have 40 different words for snow. Well, therapists have like 40 different varieties of silence. Uh, It's not always awkward. And I think that's a um, a misconception that people have, that silence means you're doing something wrong. Silence that goes on too long is uncomfortable and it's unwanted. I think Mm -hmm. it's actually a necessary component in tension and release, which is kind of the underlying dynamic of a great deal of attraction and seduction.
1: For sure. And, you know, we can even go back to the beginning of this topic where we talked about offering her drinks, offering her a dinner, maybe even a holiday. A beautiful woman is abundant in that. But what is she actually not abundant in? It is that presence. It is that space. It is that opportunity for her to maybe talk about something she truly cares about, right? Not being bombarded with low-level small talk questions. And a man who can hold space for her, a man who is truly present, a man who can, she can open up to that is actually something expensive, something valuable that a lot of women don't experience. And if we even go further, she often, let's say she's like really beautiful, right? Desired by every man. She never gets the opportunity to fight for him, to seduce him, to try to get him. Cause she always has this security in her life that she knows this guy's into me. This guy's into me. Oh yeah. I can easily have him. Right. So it becomes really boring for her. So it sounds crazy, but like she's so certain she lives in so much certainty all the time, giving her the uncertainty of like, nah, you know, maybe not texting back so fast or uh, asking a challenging question. You're giving her the gift of uncertainty of yeah. like, I'm not sure if this guy's into me, which is a new experience for her if she's really attractive. Yeah, I made a video
0: about that recently about how using uncertainty and insecurity strategically is really vital to keeping passion and passionate mm-hmm. attraction alive, even in long-term relationships. Like we have this collective intolerance for those things, uncertainty and insecurity. And I can understand you're really attracted to somebody. You want to kind of, there's this impulse to try to lock them down as quickly as possible to seal the deal. Um, but what you're saying is that that's often counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah for sure. Let's talk about a a main reason that I hear all the time that guys are afraid of approaching women in real life. Maybe it's reason, maybe it's rationalization, but I hear it, which Mm -hmm. is they're afraid of being perceived as creepy. And creepy is a really challenging word for me because it seems like it has so much to do with the other person's perception of you. Like, the same behavior in, let's say, a, a man that that woman is attracted to wouldn't be perceived as creepy, but the same behavior in a woman, in a man that the woman wasn't attracted to, is creepy, and and that's tricky because how is a guy going to know if he's attracted to a woman before he tries, you know? So, it, would you speak to that? I'm sure that comes up a lot in your in your coaching.
1: Yeah. Um, how do I approach this? Well, let's say it like this. First of all, you're right. It's definitely in how does she perceive you? Uh, I would say if you're a normal dude, right? Like the people who watch your videos and the people who watch my videos are not the kind of guys who are like, how can I, you know, get my lay count by plus 100 as soon as possible? Like we don't attract this kind of guys. So I assume even if you're watching this, you're already not a creepy guy. Okay. Okay. You're just shy. You just have approach anxiety. You're just too nervous to approach. You're too worried, whatever it is. So by you doing a normal approach, which means you keep the right distance, you don't touch her, right? You give a genuine compliment and then you ask a normal question. You're not being creepy. Could it happen that here and there a girl perceives you as creepy? Yes. And that is the challenge of just becoming okay with that. I would say the number one thing about approaching is social freedom. It's developing a level of social freedom. And if you don't have that, you're not gonna succeed because it's gonna be constantly hard. You always have to overcome this like fear, right? You're not socially free. You care too much what people think. And you care too much if one in a hundred women, which is the reality, will think you're creepy. The reality is one in a hundred will think you're creepy. Right. And it's like too bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> let her think that because the flip side of that is she's only going to think it for like 20 seconds. And then she's, she's going to think about her boss or her ex-boyfriend or the Metro comes, or she's watching a Taylor Swift interview whatever it is. Right. It's like even the worst case, which is like, Oh my God, I'm being discovered as this creepy guy because my approach was really uncalibrated and I bumped into her and then I dropped my hot dog and then I was like almost stumbled over this little kid and like oh I'm a fucking creep and then I told her she looks hot and not too, too much it's like okay you're being a creep for 20 seconds it's fine you didn't hurt anybody and she's gonna forget about you if this is too much right if this once in a is this fraction of a kind of experience is the reason you're not doing the other 90 percent of beautiful approaches and women thinking you're brave and they're really thanking you and some women give you their phone number and some women go on a date with you and some women have sex with you then it's just not going to work out so you have to accept it that's basically the thing yes some women will think it for 30 seconds deal with it, (laughs) basically.
0: Yeah, that fits with my experience. I've probably done over a thousand approaches. And the worst thing that ever happened was I got kind of a, you know, kind of just, she just turned away or she gave like a, no, you know, a very cold, short, one word answer. The vast majority of women that I approached did not give me their phone number. You know, it's, I think that also, I mean, you're a pickup I'm sorry. You're a connection expert, right? But I, <laughs> I, I kind of think about this like baseball. That even the Hall of Famers mm-hmm. tend to strike out more than they get hits. But, sure, of course. Yeah, okay. yeah. So um, the va- you know the majority of the time, I'm not moving forward with this interaction. It's a one and done thing. But I've never had a woman throw a drink in my face or slap me or you know get her friends around to to kind of like protect her. Or to angrily insult me. The vast majority of women were, I think, authentically happy with the way that yeah. I approached them because it was, a, I recognized that they looked very good, that they put effort into their appearance. And that's often why women put effort into their appearances so that it is recognized yeah. and acknowledged by others. And, you know, I think that if you do it right, you can leave a person better than when you found them even if you don't get what you want from the interaction.
1: Yeah. And I'm always telling on workshops, it's like, what's her alternative of meeting a guy, right? It's like out of all the ways she could meet a guy, it's like, okay, she could go on a dating app. And obviously guys always complain, oh, dating apps are so horrible for men because there's way more men. And, you know, it's this whole pyramid and, only 4% of women swipe on 80% of guys and all this math, true, right? Dating apps suck for men. But are they so amazing for women? Like they also have a lot of swiping. Then the the guy is just texting some horny shit, sends a dick pic as soon as he has her number. On the date, he might be weird. You know, the good looking guys then also kind of weird. Okay, then she can go to bars, she can go to clubs, get hit on by drunk dudes. Okay, she could sleep with someone out of her social circle now her whole group knows it's like oh or she gets approached during the day by a charming guy sober who looks her in the eyes and tell her she looks beautiful in this dress or whatever he's like oh it could make her day that's it could text her
0: friends right afterwards you can't believe what happened to me now she's got this story even if it doesn't lead to anything um absolutely the way that i kind of mentally Uh, prepare myself to make a day game approach is I think this is this woman's lucky day is because I know who I am and what I could potentially offer her. And I'm just coming out of the blue. It's like she won the lottery. You know, this is going to make her weak that I'm putting myself in her in front of her and giving her an opportunity to make a connection with me.
1: Yeah. That's a great mindset.
0: Now another misconception that I come up against a lot with my, clients is that to do this, to approach women in the real world, requires a great deal of confidence and or extroversion. When you mentioned social freedom, it's interesting. When you said that, I wondered if that might be part of why um, maybe international uh, day game might be easier, because if you're Mm -hmm. in a country where you don't really know all of the little social expectations, it's easier to not feel constrained by them.
1: Potentially, I don't know. Um, Could be, yeah. But the uh, yeah, it's definitely more fun to approach when you're on holiday because you're like, eh, I'm, I'm out of here in a week, so yeah, you have a bit more, uh, yeah, permission. Yeah. The
0: the what I was going to get at was. Um, Oh yeah. This whole like extroversion thing. Like I have to be on, I have to be very charming. I have to be witty. I have to be hilarious. Um, And you have a very different vibe when it comes to that um, both in this conversation and what I've seen on the channels. Um, I think you could describe it as low intensity. So how, how does that work with respect to um, offering women, the possibility
1: of a connection? Uh, yeah, I think both can work. And I always tell dudes to know themselves, right? I know I'm introverted. Doesn't mean I'm 100% introvert, but I'm majorly introverted. I, you know, I'm exhausted after social events. I don't mind being alone. I can be calm. I don't need to be the entertainer. Cool. And I work with that. And then... There's other guys who are the opposite and they work with that. And we both get great results because we're both in our role. So I think it's often dangerous to look at, you know, either other coaches, other YouTubers, either dudes in the manosphere and then think like, I need to become that. Right. It's like, I mean, the extreme examples are like Andrew Tate of like Andrew Tate is good at being Andrew Tate. You know, he's like this kickboxing tall Kind of aggressive cigar smoking dude, and he's playing that role really, really well. That's why he became so famous, right? He's just like being himself. Well, now there's this, all these other guys that are like, I need to become Andrew Tate. I need to talk like Andrew Tate. I need to think like, and it's like, but it's not you. <laughs> like, and again, when we talk about creating a connection, well, I cannot connect with someone who is not being himself. Like, that's putting this wall in front of us you know and women especially they have a sixth sense for is this guy being real or is this guy wearing a mask and it's like i'm not wearing a mask when i'm just being my low intensity calm self and i'm comfortable in that and sometimes i don't need to talk and maybe i come across as shy sometimes but that there is a charm in that because i still do the main thing which is say hi and give her a compliment right uh-huh. Obviously, there's the other extreme, which is just, I never talk to anyone ever, and I don't overcome that fear. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, and then there's the other guy who's like more entertaining, and he's vibing. He's like oh, making jokes. Like if I would try to be that guy, it would come off as fake. I could maybe play it for ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Sure, I can entertain some people at a party, but like as soon as my extroverted friends comes back, I'm like, all right, you take over. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's the main thing, like know yourself. There's people watching, they're more extroverted. There's people watching, they're more introverted. And you should be in your like natural mood because women want somebody who's being real.
0: Okay. Knowing yourself is fantastic advice. I imagine though, that your feedback to your coaching clients isn't just be yourself, dude. Oh yeah. That's horrible advice.
1: Right. Yeah. That's like what your mom tells you, you know?
0: (laughs) So to my mind, there might be some uh, middle ground here. The way the word I use is persona. Now um, a persona is not a, it's not, it's not make believe. It's not like you're trying to be Andrew Tate or you're trying to be the extroverted party guy. If you're the introverted person, it's a facet of your personality. So it's grounded in who you are but it's kind of selectively emphasized in a certain context or interaction. So it's, it is grounded in your personality, but it's not, it's a
1: little bit um, more performative. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? We, uh, what uh, Shay, my colleague says, uh, social special forces. I like that expression. It's like, you know, we're special forces, secret agents trying to be social, Right. Or I like to put my students into a little bit of a soldier warrior kind of mode of like, yep, this is a bit, this is a bit crazy, right? This is a bit of a a challenge. You are a bit fighting against your inner demons. We are a bit at war with ourselves here out there on the streets. And just be yourself. You might be
0: terrified of going onto the battlefield, right? So you do have to kind of access that, that part of yourself. That's brave. That's courageous. That, that moves towards the challenge or the danger and mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily come naturally to, I would say, most people. But I do no. think it lives inside of most people as a potentiality or as a a more minor persona. And yeah. so it's kind of like tapping into the right facet of your personality that that kind of where you can you can be in that state sustainably. Like you said, you could do the extra version for about ten minutes, then you'll be exhausted. So how can you be socially sustainable what part of yourself can you kind of rest in so that this is um it's not simply just being yourself but you're not totally performing a role does that make sense yeah
1: yeah totally i mean i would say again if you talk about approaching because quickly background on my you know come up it's like i was in a technical high school for five years which means in austria you know, because it's a lot of villages, you often live in in a boarding school, Uh not because it's so expensive or so elite. It's just like we live in villages and to bring people together, you have to have a boarding school. Otherwise, the way to school would be too far. So it was all guys for five years in that boarding school and some like technical women in my in my class. So for five years, I didn't know anything about dating. Then I moved to Nicaragua for a year. I had kind of like the you know, Western exotic bonus there and girls would approach me and I would get really drunk in nightclubs and have success there. But then coming back to Vienna, I I realized it's been the time where I like read the game and watched James's first video. And I was like, I really need to learn this approaching thing. I was like, I'm technically smart. You know, I'm, I'm analytical. I'm a good programmer. I'm good at solving problems. I might have a great job one day. I might make good money one day. That's all like looking good. But I can't approach anyone, like not even I can't give compliments to people. I can't stop a girl. I for sure cannot tell her she's beautiful. That's crazy, and that really bothered me. So it was really eye opening for me. Of like, even if I will have everything going on for me in life, like great job, income, car, it was so clear, crystal clear to me that if I am not able to be that guy as well, right, the the guy who pushes himself enough to approach strangers and hold up a conversation and obviously there's way more to it. I'm simplifying now, you know, there's like being able to escalate, asking her out, stay grounded, deal with rejection, deal with uh, her drama and so on. Like there's way more to it, be good and bad, sexual escalation and so on. If I'm not learning these skills, like what is life about anyway? You know? Uh, so it took me a while, but yeah, it's just realizing that how important that is to be able to, reach out metaphorically and create this connection um not because you're extroverted because it's like it's, you're surviving like it's, it's almost a surviving skill you know it's like i would agree we are here to reproduce in a b- very basic way and like what, what are you doing here you know it's like
0: you mentioned before we hopped on the recording call that you had terrible approach anxiety i think that's what you're alluding to here yeah. how, how did you personally get over your approach anxiety
1: um, honestly, so first thing I tried was, I mean, I did a lot of like, at night drunk. Okay, then I realized this cannot be forever. Like, okay, I'm young, I can still get wasted three times a week, but that's not sustainable. And I tried cold approach. And I absolutely failed. Like I was out with a friend, I was walking around the streets of Vienna back then hours and hours, and I didn't do a single approach. Then I downloaded this audio challenge that makes you do stuff, right? Ask 10 people about the time. Uh, tell 10 people they have a nice shoes, whatever. And I failed within day three. Like it was a 30-day challenge. I couldn't do day four. So really when I changed is when I got in touch with James and the natural Lifestyle's team and couldn't afford working with them back then. And I just offered my editing skills, my photography skills, my web design skills. And eventually James like... Took, up, took me up on that offer. And not that I received like so much coaching from James or anything like that, but just being in that environment of guys for whom it was normal to approach. I think that was the biggest shift. Mm. It gave me permission, right? Just walking down the street with like back then, like Liam and Tony, just getting a juice and then seeing Liam approach a girl and then seeing Tony approach a girl. It's like, huh, this is fine. This is, you know, it's like something switches in your brain when you're just around the people who do it. Um, It's almost like this, the first guy who broke, what is it, a four-minute mile or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly a lot of other people did it and it took like years before. It's kind of like, oh, this is fine. And then you do it and you're that environment. And that's how really I I got the hang of it. And then obviously it's hundreds and hundreds of repetitions by then. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so having a social circle of men, a brotherhood, a tribe, a wingman, whatever you call it, I think is very, very important. I hear that. I also, I
0: mean, you can speak from your own experience. I also feel like the anxiety never goes away entirely. Like it can be reduced to manageable levels, but there's always a little bit of a, I've tried to reframe it as excitement um, right before a, a cold approach. So it's, I think it's also men making peace with certain sensations in their body, seeing them as not threatening, not dangerous and tolerable. And also that's kind of what's fun about it. You know, it's, it's that there's some sort of emotional jolt that you might get from the approach. Um, That's part of what makes it fun.
1: Yeah. Like your reframe is good of like, yeah, it's excitement, right? I'm excited. I'm about to meet a human. Oh my God, what's going to happen? Wow uh another way that i reframe is like be careful what you wish for it's like do you want to feel nothing is that what you want i don't think so right that would be boring like what do you do then then you just sociopathically approaching one stranger after the other trying to get a phone number so i'm i'm just turning it into gratefulness of like oh yeah here it is again this feeling i'm meeting a stranger can i do this yes i've done it before will you be excited yes you know i'm gonna make her day like you said so it's like thanks god i'm not a robot and i'm a human and i'm about to meet a stranger what a beautiful chance what a beautiful experience what a what a great gift of life that i'm allowed to connect with total strangers right Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i think that sometimes getting to a point of emotional indifference at least with respect to the outcome like whether i get the date or the number or not can lead to that social freedom that you discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. If we're too hung up on um, the meaning of the rejection, it can be constraining and impossible to really be authentic under those circumstances. I yeah. would say that. My own. Yeah, that's
1: why you just said internal goals versus external goals, right? the The, the internal goal is I did the approach, uh, mm-hmm. I overcame that fear, I gave her a compliment. The external that's goal cool. is. I got her number. She went, inside. I It's like, well, that's out of my control. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So you can't rack up uh,
0: numbers or dates or body counts. It's a behavior or an intention that's within your control because who can prevent you from doing that except yourself. Right. So this yeah. is entirely within your locus of control. And to me, that's a win. If I, yeah. if I approach or if one of my client approaches, that's a win. My story about this is, is slightly different Um, Maybe you've gathered on the channel that psychology wasn't my first career. I was an actor initially and being an actor, it's like effortless to meet people. You're constantly going to parties. People are always schmoozing with each other. You're on stage. Everyone's looking at you and clapping at you. It's a a really easy way to to Mm. meet women. I never had any problems with that. Then I switched careers and became a psychologist. Now I went from a very visible profession to functionally an invisible profession. Like no one sees what I do, like law, they can't see what I do. Um, So one of the ways that I teach men to become more attractive to women generally is to be visibly competent. If you're really good at something, make sure that people know about it, not in Mm -hmm. like an in your face kind of a way, but don't, don't hide your talents and strengths. Get a YouTube channel. Um, get a cool Instagram account that showcases what you yeah, tell, right? Um, because if you're hidden, life isn't going to make the effort to find you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially beautiful women who might have other things to do. In hundreds. Yeah. They're not going to go out of their way to to find the the diamond in the rough. You, you do have no to kind of, shh, yeah. put your best foot forward, as it were. So... I didn't have, I couldn't rely on that like effortless sociality that I did when I was an actor. So I said, okay, well, I'm dissatisfied with the dating apps. I need to get over. I'll I'll meet women in real life. So I would, I put on a suit, which automatically made me the best dressed man in San Francisco. And I'd go down to like a a meat market bar in uh, on Polk street. And I said, okay, I'm going to go in a, there's going to be some beautiful women here. I'll go chat them up and see what this goes. And I, I couldn't do it. Like I -hmm. was there for two hours, three hours. I just ended up having two or three drinks by myself and going home. And I felt like a schmuck and I'd come home and I'd be beating myself up and I'd feel ashamed for my cowardice. And then the next week I put on my suit saying, this is the week I'm going to do it. And the same thing happened. For me, I had to put on my suit and go down to that bar, I think eight or nine weeks in a row without talking Mm -hmm. to this woman. And I think it was the ninth or the 10th time that I went down there and I saw a beautiful woman and I felt the the fear begin to arise in me as usual. But then I remembered how I would feel predictably when I left that bar every night without talking to a woman, how I was so ashamed of myself, how I'd feel cowardly, how I would feel alone at the end of the night. And I got more afraid of that outcome, which was like a guarantee because I had experienced it nine times in a row. I got more afraid of that happening than anything yeah. that could possibly do to me.
1: Often it has to get worse before it gets better, right? It's spoken like a psychologist. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And yeah. so that was kind of what motivated me to, to finally overcome that initial hurdle of approach anxiety is, is fear of not doing it the approach became more painful than anything that that woman could possibly do to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That is, I mean, that's a great motivator of like, in other ways, the fear of who will I be as a man in five years? If I don't figure this out, who will I be as a man in 20 years? You know, Mm -hmm. who will I settle with? Like which woman will I settle with becoming my wife? Uh, if I don't figure out how to be a strong man, how to be a good communicator, how to be good in bed, all that stuff. It's just like, like that scares the shit out of me. Just like, I want the best, I I, I have potential and that's how I measure everything. Like every conversation has potential, every guy has potential, right? It's like, am I living up to my potential? And the flip side of that is like, I am not living up to my potential is really scary to me. Mm -hmm. I hear that. Another thing that comes
0: up, when I talk to guys around this issue is they have some body insecurities. They think that they're unattractive or a big one is height. And I know that shorter guys do have a harder time relative to taller guys, especially on the apps. Women just set filters and they don't even get to see them. Uh, How do you work with guys who get hung up on some aspect of their physical appearance?
1: Yeah. Good question. And I do work a lot with them, right? Um, Sure. Height is a thing, looks are a thing, but it's just a small thing, right? Small so, thing, okay. Uh, yeah, because first of all, it is a big thing if you focus on it. That's the issue, right? Like guys would almost use it as an excuse of like, oh, I can't approach because I'm short and it wouldn't work anyway. I'm like, have you tried? No, because it wouldn't work. I'm like, you didn't try, you know? Um, I literally just coached a guy, I would love to look up how tall he is, but he's Short. And we have it on video actually. He was a uh, okay being filmed um in the process of the workshop. We just did a four-day workshop in Budapest. And you know, short guy, but he works out, he has a cool job, he is very articulate, he's charming, he took advice really well. He literally approached a girl. I had a one-hour session with him. He approached a girl, got her number, date the same day, took her home the same night. Next day, Tinder date. Even on online date took her home the same night. So he had two like uh, you know, bedroom experiences in a row. And he's short and just like he does everything else right. And it's like, do women want to date taller guys? Generally, yes. My ex-girlfriend was the same height as me, right? Uh I'm 175. So I don't know It's if that just like if,
0: in inches, we might have to uh,
1: yeah, five, eight or so. Okay. Yeah, five eight, five nine, something like that. It's average. Um, I think that's the average yeah. yeah. But she, you know, her ex-boyfriend was taller, but it's just like I combine other elements as well. Sure, if you're very short, you can do something with shoes, you can do something uh with the way you dress, of course. And if you like, let's say if I would be I said an in inches, three inches or four inches smaller, and I would live in Amsterdam. I would probably move out of Amsterdam, right?
0: What's wrong with Amsterdam?
1: I was in Amsterdam. I felt really short. (laughs) Everybody in Amsterdam is a giant. It's it's insane. So like Dutch people are really tall is my point. It's just like, if you are really short in a country where everybody's really tall, maybe you want to move to a different country. Like if it really changes your life incredibly and suddenly, you know, you move to Latin America or Asia or just a different place in Europe, you know, more South and your life quality changes so much because suddenly you stand out as attractive and before you were average, then do that. You know, think outside the box. Uh, That's one aspect. The other aspect is we as men have it so good in a way that we are not uh, just rated on our beauty. Women are a lot, right? That's that's just a fact. Um, If a woman is very attractive, she has Many things in life that a woman is not attractive doesn't have. As a man, we can be born quite short, quite ugly, and we can still outwork other men. We can work on our physique. We can go to the gym. We can work on our style. We can work on our lifestyle. Like what a a woman coming into our world, what is she getting into? What experiences can I give you? What social circle is she entering? Do I have cool friends? Do I do cool stuff on the weekends? I can, of course, work on my wealth. You know, money is obviously a thing. Again, it's another thing, not that only thing, but of course, if you can offer her uh, a cool experience, if you use your money, basically cool holiday, maybe you give her a gift, you make things easier, you make things smoother. You have a nice apartment. Cool. And mainly you can, your your charm, your communication skills, your approaching skills, your confidence, who you are as a man, how you, you know, the energy you put out. It's like all these elements you can work on that will way outweigh how you look. Hmm. I would agree. Yeah.
0: Something that I think that you touched on on the Naturals channel a long time ago was the concept of inner game. Uh, would you mind telling the listeners what you might mean by that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the real expert here is, Shea, yeah, is, he's is great that. Um Inner game, while it's basically your confidence, social freedom plays into inner game how you see yourself um you know your your own perception like are you the hero in your own movie and also overcoming these struggles so inner game is a very broad term is there a specific question or or how how important inner game is in the whole okay the how about this
0: i think a lot of inner game comes down to being Confident, feeling mm-hmm. at peace within yourself. It's hard to cultivate authentic confidence. I have my own recipe. We can swap secrets here. Um, I think it's more than just like staring in the mirror and saying, You're the best. You can do this. Everyone's going to love you. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anyone really believes that. I don't know if that works. So, do you have recipes for cultivating authentic confidence?
1: yeah uh i mean the easiest one is experience right sure. like it's just like when i can look back and say oh i've done this before hundreds of times successfully okay that will give me a certain level of confidence right Of course. um if you're not there yet meditation is big then what i said before having a wingman having a tribe is also huge like um because the I think the difference is not even that somebody pushes you to do an approach. It's more like coming back after a rejection, whatever you call it. And then having your body there kind of like waiting for you is what makes it so easier to just do it again. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you will get more approaches that way. And then that will make your game better and it will make your confidence better and your game better. Um, yeah, that's huge. There's just, it's also a bit of fake it till you make it right because the other reality is even at my level i've done thousands of approaches i sleep with very beautiful women i would say you can check my instagram um it's just like if i stand in front of a certain type of girl i'm still like oh my god right there's still this little boy inside of me sometimes saying you're not good enough you know she's too hard you don't deserve her Da da and it's just like you can listen to that boy and being like, Oh yeah, maybe, but let's, let's see where it goes. Let's try Let's do our best. You know? So again, I don't think the notion of you will be iron and your inner game will be perfect after you do it. It's just like, you just start seeing, you just start observing more. You, you get more distance to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Just like, you don't believe everything. Don't believe everything you are thinking kind of way, you know? Sure, so, I used to get that way. That makes sense. On
0: uh, in a performance, where it, you know, if it's been rehearsed enough and there's multiple performances, I can sort of like be inside, watching me go through the motions of the vocalizations and the movements with this mm-hmm. sort of detached observation, while I'm in the midst of something that is very physically intense or even emotionally. Um, you know, high pitched. So you can be very calm and separate in the midst of even a tempestuous emotional situation. And I think that it's good that you kind of normalized these doubts that men are subject to having. I think that that doesn't mean that you are, um, that there's something wrong with you. I think almost all guys have those thoughts uh, from time to time. Yeah, it seems normal. Especially
1: to- successful guys. That's the other thing. Yeah, tell me more about of, that. Successful guys have more of those thoughts, you think? I've seen this video, which I thought is really interesting of Alex Hormose, uh, which is like the three things that every like super financially successful guy has in common. And it's like the feeling that they deserve more than others is the first. So kind of like a bit like, not feeling privileged, but like, yeah, I, I should have a good life. And I deserve it. I, I, will, I will be bigger than others. But then combined with like, anxiety not feeling good enough not feeling worthy and then the third one is impulse control Hmm. so it's like the confidence mixed with the i don't deserve this i'm not good enough and i've so it's not a bad thing necessarily it just keeps you humble and also keeps you hungry in a way because you want to if you reach one level you're like okay i do deserve this now because i'm having it well what's what's next what what else is there you know i hear that in my recipe for confidence is the consistent felt experience
0: of success. And so that really speaks to your um, mm. experience criterion. It's like if if you can do the thing more often than not, so that you can kind of have confidence and look back at your previous victories and say, all things being equal, I'm more likely to succeed in this scenario than not, but also to let that affect you emotionally. Um, sometimes perfectionists are sort of still drowning in the midst of their victories because they're focused potentially on the 1% that they're not yet yeah. optimized, right? So I do think it's also important to let your progress emotionally impact you, which generally for me requires every once in a while looking back at how far I've come, like turning around yeah. and seeing how much elevation I've gained on the side of the mountain that I've climbed because it's easy to just sort of get lost in the in the grind of putting one foot in front of the other. For sure, yeah. You alluded to something else that's very interesting as it's becoming increasingly popular. I would call it geo-arbitrage. I mean, you talked about how if you were a short guy living in Amsterdam, you would move. And you also talked about how you, you might have more success in being perceived as more attractive in different cultures or different places, depending on how you look. You've traveled, I think, all over the world. It sounds like you've had a, a very uh, fascinating uh, life what are some of the places that you found are most conducive
1: to meeting women? Um, Good question. Again, people should know themselves for that answer. Right. Sure. So we could break it down. Let's break it down into Asia slash Latin America. Kind of like now the word passport pro is a, is a term, right? Just yeah. dudes traveling to like third world to, to get women. Then I would say developing countries, maybe Eastern Europe, and then like the first world. Um, Okay. I love Eastern Europe personally because just as a living standard, it's like not third world. So things still work really well. Uh, I can, you know, if I need a dentist appointment, I have one this week and I have a good dentist clinic, you know, privately paid, still cheap. Uh, great. Uh, if I need to go to the airport, it's going to work. If I need other public transportation, it's going to work. Texas is fine and so on. Um, But it's obviously not as luxurious as the first world. But for my income level, it is more luxurious because I can afford more. Like I live right now in a four bedroom apartment with a rooftop that I turn into a home gym and party area um, for 1600 euros a month. And I'm splitting it with a guy. Nice. And I have girls live with me 24-7. So uh, not to like, whoops, sorry, not to have sex with me or something like that. It's just like, I like the female energy. I like walking out of this, after the podcast into the kitchen and just having a chat with uh, attractive Ukrainian girl who is like my friend. So that's what I like, you know. Uh, I also like that the women are very feminine still. They are really nicely put together. Of course, they have nice genetics, beautiful bodies. So the visual is definitely there. Um, they know their place in the sense of the polarity is very strong still, like male, male, and female, which of course comes with a price, right? Like my ex-girlfriend is Russian. Okay, costs money, <laughs> you know, like she has certain expectations. Like don't expect her to like suddenly go to work or contribute highly to the income or all that stuff, or yeah, she's going to make some drama. Yeah. She has some, you know, certain other behaviors that are me as an Austrian. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't expect that. Right. So you have to be either ready for that, or if you're not, then don't do it. Um, Okay. Then of course there's the first world, Europe and North America and so on. Uh, Women are going to be more educated, you know? So maybe that's more interesting if you seek somebody who is, who you have intellectual conversations with and go deep with and discuss science papers with. And, you know, maybe the woman also has a PhD and she also has her job. It's like, that's cool. Uh, And I respect that. And I respect guys who want that. I'm just not currently in a level in my life where I need that in my female partner. Like I have a lot of smart guys in my social circle, of course, for travels, for clients, for the various projects I do. I have high-level intellectual conversations, mainly with men, and I have really interesting emotional conversations with the females in my life, right? So if I have like a heartbreak, I will talk to females, or if a girl really upsets me, I will ask my female friends of like, why is she acting like that? What is... I'll send a screenshot maybe of what she's writing, like, what does she mean? Please translate into my, you know, analytical Austrian brain language. <laughs> Uh, so I value that, that they're just in their feminine in that sense. I don't know if that answers the question, but it's like, it, cause I'm saying it again of like some dudes move to Eastern Europe and love it. Maybe some would hate it. Some dudes are doing, you know, one Asian chick after the other and they love it. They're like, Oh my God, I banged a hundred Asian girls this year. I would not like it. I would get really bored really quick. They're just not so attractive to me. Right. So whatever, do whatever you want, but just to finish it, it's like, there's a lot of opportunity in this world that is not the thing you're currently getting. So if you're now in a town or village or city and you're just like not feeling it, well, book an Airbnb somewhere else for a month. Ask your boss to work remotely or quit your job or maybe you don't have a job or figure it out. Like there's always a way and just be there for a month. You don't need to move somewhere forever. People are a bit too tied up of like, oh, I couldn't move there. I'm like, don't have to just try it out for a month maybe you will really like it and it will really change your life and you will feel much better than you do now i think that's good advice i mean we generally date before we get married
0: so to just go and and see what it feels like to be in different places uh, is excellent advice before you make a life-changing move what's really Mm -hmm. interesting in listening to you is i was reminded of the fact that it seems Perfectly socially normal to move to a different part of the country or even to a different part of the world for, let's say, better job opportunities. Like, no one will bat an eye at that. Yeah. Think that it's very rational. But the idea that I might relocate because it might give me better relationship opportunities and you suddenly seem very strange. Yeah. And I think that's, mm. I think that's interesting to note because. As you mentioned earlier, the, like a big part of your life is going to be the quality of your intimate relationships, and just like if you were born in a small town where there, when there weren't a lot of job opportunities, where mm-hmm. there's not a lot of um, ways to make money, and so you'd be resigning yourself to let's say a certain standard of life if you stayed there, um, people say no, I can, I can pack up my bags and pull up my stakes and move to the city or move to a different country, and build a better life for myself that we have no problems doing that when it comes to money and career but we for some reason feel like it's like we shouldn't have to do that when it comes yeah. to relationships
1: i guess it's another form of social freedom of like um caring uh, wh- whose opinion do you care about because you know i care about the opinion of people that i hang out with and everybody who would judge me for moving to Eastern Europe, like I lived in Ukraine for two years, I lived in Hungary, now I'm moving to Bulgaria. So like everybody who's judging that, I'm not dealing with these people on a daily basis anyway. And it's kind of like I came to a level where I just don't care because I truly know that my life is probably way better than theirs. and there's just a lot of jealousy in their like opinion of like, why is, this, why is he moving there? and like in in not informed as well of what eastern europe is and so on and the people who i do care about well they're around here or they're like guys like you or they're guys like you know who run their own online businesses and they also travel and also have experience and they're like yeah this is cool that makes sense so it's just eventually just making because social freedom again it's just like whose opinion do you value and it, do you live your life based on what is good for you, or based on what people tell you to do?
0: It's so important. One thing I tell my clients is that even if you were to devote your life to doing exactly what other people want, you would still not escape their judgment. They would think, "Oh, what if yeah, people end up do? on a cross?" Right? This guy it's doesn't like, have a spine. Anyway. He doesn't. He doesn't have any ideas of his own. Like the judgment of others is inescapable. It's also on hmm. some level none of your business because what happens in the privacy of other people's minds doesn't really pertain to you. Um, And if you have to make a decision, it's important to, that might disappoint somebody. In my opinion, it's better to disappoint another person as opposed to yourself because you have to live with yourself 24 Mm seven. And the disappointment of the other person may not be the frustration of an explicit expectation, like something you agreed on. It's just something that they want that maybe you didn't necessarily even consciously sign up for, you know, they might want more of your time, they want more of your energy or relationship. And now they're feeling that this decision might jeopardize
1: their own cultivated expectations that really didn't have to do because it's challenging. I mean, you know, they're like, maybe they're like, I would really love to move to Asia, I would love to move to Thailand. And this fucking guy is doing it. And now I feel really bad about myself that he who maybe went to high school with me he he got the same grades as me he comes from the same type of household why is he living this why is he living my dream now mm-hmm. like i should i should pull him back like this is not okay like he's he's not in his role anymore he's not living the role his role is like stay in austria and get a normal job and make 2k a month and pay your taxes but now he's not playing his role, which shines a really bad light on me. The guy who's always done what he's been told to do. And it's really threatening for people's ego, right? Totally. Like, suddenly a guy on the exact same level is upgrading. It's like, it's always easy to shit on rich people. Like, oh, the rich people, they're evil and da-da-da. That's kind of easy because you don't know them. And they're at least where I come from, they're not in your circle. But if suddenly a dude who was like your buddy is now making more money and living a better life, it's like oh horrible really hard i have a video coming out about this about haters
0: and my understanding is haters are less about hate than about envy use the word jealousy i would say envy and envy envy really only exists (laughs) Uh, i mean we we get that confused here Uh, there's a technical difference for psychologists but you know the words are functionally interchangeable for most people um but envy can really only exist between perceived equals. If I already think Mm -hmm. that you're Mm -hmm. much better than me at something, I will experience admiration at your superiority, even if it's about something that I personally care about that is related to my identity. But if that's, and that's why envy is always most prevalent among like siblings and Mm. peer level friends.
1: Right. Yeah, totally. Because on some level it's it's like,
0: you're not any better or worse than me in my conceptualization, but you're yeah. living in a way that you have a much, high, you're getting these different outcomes. And it's like, what's up with that? It's a narcissistic injury yeah. for me uh, if I allow that to happen. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very totally. insidious emotion and it operates behind the scenes. A lot of people aren't even conscious of feeling envious, but it yeah. operates through their behavior. Um, and I do think that you you seem to live an unconventional life. And I would think sure, that, yeah. uh, that wasn't always easy to do. I mean, like we said, with my example about going to the bar, you might've gotten to the point where it was easier to live the unconventional life than to disappoint yourself or frustrate your own potential. But mm. as somebody who's lived an unconventional life himself, a lot of people, especially people close to me that I would really have wanted or liked to have their approval or support, it just wasn't there. And you, you, I think you learn to become more individually strong and confident in your decisions when you take that unconventional path because you can't rely on that kind of social um, support that maybe you might if you made different decisions. Does that fit with your experience? Yeah.
1: yeah, and you cannot rely on the support of just the people you grew up with, but I think we live in an incredible time where you can find your tribe and your new tribe member lives in Tunisia, and your other tribe member lives in Bali, and your other tribe member lives in Mexico, and they align with you, and you're all chatting in a group chat, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that was not possible 30 years ago and before for thousands of years. Suddenly, I can, through the power of the internet and then relocation even, I can bring people together who are aligned and who are like, that's really cool what you're doing here. You know, That's you should do that. Yes, approach that girl. Yes, tell her she's beautiful. Yes, put on that new jacket. Yes, it looks good on you. Yes, you're not used to it, but you will get, you know? It's like, yes, fucking work out, you know? Um, That was my conclusion as
0: well. It's fascinating. We're like exactly on the same page with this. It's like your biggest hater is probably someone that you know, and your biggest fan is probably someone you haven't met yet. And it's important to use the opportunities of the modern age and technology to kind of stand up and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm all about and give people the opportunity to see you from afar and your real community will be those who recognize and resonate with whatever you're putting out. And you'll find a way to get to, to come together
1: one yeah. way or another. Like I love Instagram for that. I think, you know, I'm very aware of, The toxicity, toxicity, is that a word? Yeah. Uh, Of social media. And, you know, it's obviously addictive. And these companies are hijacking our brain and dopamine systems. I'm aware of all of that, right? And that needs to be controlled. And I do that by having two phones, for example. I have one phone during the day because I don't trust myself not using it. And I have one phone where I can indulge in when the work is done. And um, I can be a bit monkey and scroll on Instagram. But as a social tool, I think it is incredible, Uh, the way you can connect with people, the way you can create a story about yourself, right? You could create an archetype through your feed. Uh, You can communicate, this is what I'm about. You mentioned before, this is what I'm good at. This is my passion. This is how I see the world through stories uh, and communicating that, that to men and women, women you meet on the street, right? Maybe women you met on the street for two minutes and they don't know you, but now they can get to know you through your feed and stories. Uh, And then the servers of Instagram, just like shouting that into the world and connecting it with people who are interested in it, I think is an amazing tool. It's like, isn't it crazy? Like it's for and for free. Totally. I mean, that's why we're talking to each other today, not through Instagram, but through YouTube.
0: And just yeah. by putting that free information out over time, we ended up finding in each other and connecting. And here you are in Bulgaria. I'm in California. We're having a conversation. This is so cool. And I'm really happy that I got to meet you. I think it's been about an hour. Do you feel comfortable wrapping up the conversation, Alex?
1: Sure. Whatever. I'm free. So whatever you want to do.
0: Well, before we we wrap up, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you if they want to know more about you and what you're doing.
1: Sure. Uh, easiest place to start is my YouTube channel. Um, if you type in Alex Leon Dating, you find it. I think the handle is Alex Leon Life, L-I-F-E. Uh, I put out YouTube weekly. I talk about cold approach and other stuff. And if you want to know behind the scenes stuff a little bit more, a bit less about you know cold approach and my coaching business, but just like what I do, in my wacky life, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Alex over the ocean. So, and whoever wants to go deeper, they they will find plenty of stuff there.
0: I'll put links to those in the description below for people to check thank out. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today, Alex. It was fascinating. It was great to finally meet you. Um, I learned a lot, and I hope that we can continue a social relationship moving forward.
1: Perfect. Thanks so much for reaching out. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on and and doing this.
0: All the best. Bye-bye.